Welcome to this week's edition of Leading with Confidence. My name is Confidence Sileme and I'm your host. This program is proudly powered by the William Sileme Foundation and the Foundation's mission is enabling education in Africa. This week, I'd like us to talk on a topic I've titled Growing the Team. When a team has been together for some time, there is solidity that the time spent together brings and each member's role is clearer and more defined. There is a rhythm that such a team functions in. Like two expert dancers, a well-established team dances to a singular beat. The concern with this is that in today's world, the beat can change in an instant and teams may have to learn a new dance or face the risk of being relegated to the spectator's bench. Market dynamics such as new technology, disruptive ideas that affect operations, and changing target markets can introduce an entirely new beat, causing even the most experienced dancers to dance out of tune. The ever-changing dynamics often mean leaders have to onboard new members you know, into teams to inject new skills, uh, fresh perspectives, and the knowledge needed to keep teams competitive. Another dynamic is that unlike the generations before who often stayed in companies for decades, today's generation tends to move quite a lot. My father, for instance, started his career at the age of 21 and he worked for Anglo-American and he worked there until he retired. I also started working at the age of 21, but by the time I was 28, I had already worked for more than three organizations. Moving around is becoming their norm, and leaders must come to terms with the fact that in their teams there will be marathon people and there will be 100-meter people. Not everybody in the team wants to be or should be there for the long term, but leaders should not give people reasons to leave. Teach and empower them, and if or when the time comes for them to leave your team organization, wish them the very best. If you've done your job correctly, you'll be able to take pride in the fact that they are more skilled more experienced and more competent than they were when they joined your team. One of the trickiest things for teams and the leaders that lead them to do is introducing new members into the team. It can be a bit like adding a new spice into a familiar dish. You're not quite sure how it will affect the taste and you wonder whether it will be able to blend in with the existing flavors. The important thing to remember is that there is a reason that this new member has been brought in. Their skills they have and knowledge they possess and they are needed in the team. A new member should be made aware of their importance to the team and the contribution that they are expected to make. There was an extra ingredient needed and they are there to add to and make the team much better and much stronger. New members should go from the outside looking into, from the inside looking forward. This speaks to inclusivity and shared vision. Nobody likes feeling like they are the outsider, but when you are new to the team, that's what you feel like. Most organizations have an induction policy or program, and part of it is dedicated to educating the new member on the vision of the organization. After all, you want to make sure that there is buy-in from the new member and that they are committed to the fulfillment. Although I believe this is vital, there is one hurdle to overcome before buy-in and the desired level of commitment can be achieved. The new member must feel like they are part of the team in order for them to fully participate. When you are a new member, you are outside the team looking in to find your spot. You want to find where you belong so you can settle in. 
It is where you found your place in the team that you can look forward with the team in order to fulfill the vision. It is when you've achieved the transition from outsider looking in to insider looking forward that greater levels of buy-in and commitment can be realized. The reason some teams are dysfunctional is that there are members within the team who don't feel like they are part of the team. A part versus a part. Some years back, I was working on a page for a particular brand and I came across a line on their website which I quite liked. The line said, to belong is to be within, a part, not a part, close quote. It's quite ironic that the phrase a part and the word a part are spelled using exactly the same letters, yes they mean opposite things. It's also interesting to know that it is the space that changes the meaning. The difference between feeling like you are a part of a team versus apart from the team is the separation or space that a particular member may be feeling. This feeling of separation may be as a result of lack of inclusiveness in a team. Example, perhaps this member isn't being invited to brainstorming sessions or they aren't being included when certain team matters are being discussed. It is the leader's duty to see where the spaces are and then proceed to remedy the situation by closing up these spaces. The leader must take it upon themselves to make sure that members feel like they are a part of the team and not apart from the team. What are the spaces or gaps that exist in your team? Are there team members whom you know can contribute a lot more and play a much more meaningful role if that gap was closed? It is your responsibility to ensure unity in your team. The gaps that exist in your team could be costing you brilliant ideas and innovative solutions that could take your organization to the next level. It's similar to a wire that transmits electricity. If that wire is cut and there is a gap, then the flow is interrupted. When there are gaps in teams, flow is interrupted and power levels decrease or even cease. When you take time to close the gaps in the team and bring about greater unity and collaboration, you are truly empowering the team and the organization. The lack of results that you may be experiencing may not be because you don't have the right people on board, but because those people are not connecting as they should. It's vital then to create opportunities for team connection where people can come together, share ideas, commune and collaborate for greater efficiency and productivity. The words commune or communicate and community are from the same family. When people gather to commune with one another, they communicate with one another and they become a community. Essentially, you want to transition from being a team and become a community. In a community, people don't merely exist together. They care about one another. They do what they can to help one another and they all want the community to thrive. If I don't belong, I won't sing along. Only when a person has found their voice in the team can they sing along with the team. Until then, they will be out of sync with the team and they will sing out of tune. It is the job of the choir master to make sure that the choir is singing from the same hymn sheet. The leader must be sensitive enough to the team's rhythm and be able to pick it up when something is amiss. Keeping your finger on the pulse of the team can help you assess what is needed in order to ensure efficiency. When a leader prioritizes maximum team functionality, 
they are sure to increase the effectiveness of the team. Leaders must guide each member, new or not, and help them find their voice within the team. A great way to do this is by creating opportunities within the team for social interaction. People tend to have preconceptions and misconceptions about one another, and these negative conceptions easily thrive in environments where people know little about one another. Social interactions such as team outings, lunches, and other services are helpful in that they create spaces where people can talk, laugh, and get to know one another on a more personal level. My background is in the advertising industry, and at most of the agencies where I work, there was always a day in the week where people would gather together and share some snacks and drinks. This would happen around a pool table or in an area where people could feel relaxed and just hang out with fellow colleagues. These types of sightings encourage people to talk and have some fun. People who would normally not say much to one another would suddenly be playing a game of pool and they'd be throwing around some entertaining banter and this, you know, would, would spill over into the work. Because of the connection created through the social interaction, people started talking more and better communication was developed within the workplace. This resulted in a more pleasurable working environment where people didn't feel like they were just colleagues. They now had a spirit of camaraderie as well. If I don't know you, I can't trust you. Trust is one of the main components necessary for building effective teams. When members of a team trust their leaders and fellow team members, they are free to participate fully within the team. But trust is built through knowledge of who a particular person is. When people interact with one another and hear each other's stories, they are more able to relate with one another and this fosters a spirit of trust within the team. We are taught from a young age that we shouldn't trust strangers. And so the disposition of most human beings is, if I don't know you, I can't trust you. But when I know who you are and where you come from, it's easier for me to put myself in your shoes, see what you've seen and feel what you've felt. We all need someone to trust, someone we can confide in when things are looking down, and someone we can celebrate with when things are looking up. Trust is earned over time through consistency and continued effort. It is the glue that holds relationships together. Trust turns colleagues into friends and friends into family. Trust is the foundation upon which unity is built. Trust houses security and it is a refuge for peace. Leaders that deliver on their promises get trust. Leaders that are trusted get loyalty from their teams. Leaders that get loyalty from their teams become more effective in their leadership. It was Patrick Lencioni, a business management author, who said, Teamwork begins by building trust, and the only way to do that is to overcome our need for invulnerability. Some leaders are opposed to showing any kind of vulnerability because they fear that it could make them seem weak or timid. They choose to put up a stone-cold front. But leaders who seem to be completely invulnerable are not easy to connect with or relate to, and it's hard trusting someone who you can't relate to. In building trust within the teams, Leaders must refrain from seeming or being robotic, and they must show their human side. It's hard to warm up to a cold leader. An example of such a leader, albeit you know, an extreme one, is the late Joseph Stalin, who led the Soviet Union from the mid-1920s until his death in 1953. 
His name literally means man of steel, and he was known to be cold as steel itself. It was under his direct orders that millions of people died, and this included some of his closest allies and compatriots. Trust was not a word that Stalin had in his vocabulary. He's quoted as saying, I trust no one, not even myself. Close quote. I believe it was this complete lack of trust that made him so cold. He couldn't dare show any vulnerability, and this informed his chilling behavior. Leaders who don't trust their people enough tend to be quite cold around them. Some leaders never laugh with their people. They only talk to them when it's about work, and they never open up to let their people know them better. Because their people never get to see the person behind the position, they feel disconnected to the leader holding the position. Leaders who show zero trust in their people end up killing their people. Perhaps not literally like Stalin, but such leaders end up killing the self-confidence and self-esteem of those they lead. They unwittingly alienate their people, and they create a fractured team structure that's always collapsing or on the verge of collapse. Trust is an important element of effective leadership. Leaders who trust their people to deliver will build up the levels of self-confidence in their teams and they will get greater results from their people. Leaders who show trust by allowing themselves to open up and be more vulnerable will connect better with their people and build a team that is tighter as a unit. They will indeed turn their colleagues into friends and those friends into family. A team that has more trust will have more thrust. Teams where the members trust not only one another but their leadership as well will have more thrust in their efforts. They will dare more and achieve more because they know that they have the support of their leaders and fellow team members. It's easier to take a leap when you know that there are people who will catch you should you fall. But if the team environment is such that there is no trust, then you are forced to play it very safe and not take any type of risk that will potentially move the team into new dimensions. A team that has high levels of trust will be willing to explore and charter new territories. High levels of trust within a team leads to higher levels of creativity and also leads to increased productivity. As a leader, you must create and inculcate a culture of trust within your team by being trustworthy yourself. Have your team's best interest at heart and deliver on the promises you make to them. As a leader, you have a trust account with your team and you must make regular deposits into that trust account. Whenever you deliver on what you promise to deliver, you are making deposits into that account. Whenever you reach out to team members and you are able to connect with them on an emotional level, you are making deposits. Whenever you surprise and delight your team and you show compassion towards them, you are depositing. As time goes, you may make some errors that create tension and friction between you and the team but because you've been making deposits into the trust account, those errors will not, you know, deplete the trust relationship that you have with your team. The track record you build with them will be a reassuring factor and they will continue to trust and follow you. A cold of many colors. There's a biblical story of a young man named Joseph who was loved dearly by his father. One of the gifts that his father gave him was a coat of many colors which, you know, Joseph really treasured. A team is a coat of many colors. It consists of individuals who are different in personalities, gender, age, race, you know, worldview, cultural background, and so forth. 
effective leaders look at these differences as an opportunity to leverage a wider pool of experiences and use them to make the team more impactful. A weak leader sees these differences as a threat and a barrier. The diversity in teams creates beauty in teams. The coat is much more beautiful because it has many colors. It's a lot more vibrant and a lot more attractive. Leaders must harness the talents of the various individuals and make them work together to produce extraordinary results. When you have a team that consists of people who all think alike, look alike, and who all have the same interests and views, then you will be at a disadvantage. This is something I've personally witnessed having worked in the ad industry. For many years, the South African ad industry was dominated by white males. Because the demographic of people working in the industry was so minute, the kind of ads they produced did not reflect the culture and perspectives of the wider audience. The communication that was produced did not resonate with the majority of people because there was a lack of insight. It's only when the industry started becoming more diverse that ads that were more reflective of the wider South African audience started being produced. When the teams were more diverse, they were more creative and more effective. When you draw from a deeper pool, you will drink fresher water. The role of the team leader. As the team leader, there is much responsibility upon your shoulders. You are not only an architect, you are also a bricklayer helping to build the team and the culture within the organization. Here are some of the functions that you need to fulfill in order to achieve the desired team success. A. The team leader must know the team. It is vital that you know your team. You must know what their strengths and weaknesses are, who's naturally good at presenting and who's not, who's, you know, very thorough, who tends to be the most vocal, who works well under pressure and who doesn't. When you know the different characteristics, personality traits, gifts and talents of your team members, you are better armed to lead them in a more effective manner. The best way to get to know your team is to spend time with your team. Don't lock yourself away in your office. Interact with your team, work closely with them, and you'll get a deeper knowledge of who they are. Know what motivates your team. In knowing your team, you have to get to know the motivations of your team members. When you know what drives a particular individual, you have gained very valuable insight. Even with motor vehicles, we're able to get to various places because we know what fuel a particular car takes. We know what drives them. We don't pour diesel into petrol cars, and we don't pour petrol into diesel cars. The topic of motivations is a broad one, and we'll discuss it in a future episode. B. The team leader must grow the team. Growing your team is one of the highest responsibilities that you have as a leader. Growing the team doesn't necessarily mean growing the size of the team, although that can you know, form part of the ask and task of a leader. Rather, it means growing the competency and skill base of those on your team. It means upskilling your team and giving them opportunities to develop their leadership capacity. As a leader, you'll ultimately be measured by the number and caliber of leaders that you help to develop. If by the end of your tenure and journey, you're not able to identify and pinpoint people who, you know, through your guidance and influence, were able to unleash their leadership potential, then we will question your impact and legacy. You must grow the team and develop leaders. To grow the team, you must feed the team. As a leader, 
You must be able to identify the potential that your team members have and where they are in their developmental journey. This is important because it will dictate how you groom individual members. If you do not recognize a baby to be a baby and you feed them solid food which you know they are not ready for, you may end up doing a lot of damage. And if you feed an adult milk that their system has outgrown, you will irritate them. Leadership is like parenting in many ways. You know, as children grow, you give them more responsibility because that will train and allow them to grow even more and become mature. In growing your team, you must learn to delegate responsibility appropriately so that you know there is a continuous supply of food on the table to enable the growth of your team. See, the team leader must create flow in the team. Another one of the leader's responsibility is to create flow in the team. This means creating an environment that is conducive for productivity and which allows the team to perform at the higher standards. You must make sure that the systems and processes are such that efficiency is enabled and promoted. Leaders bring structure and structure brings flow. It brings a flow of ideas, a flow of revenue, and a flow in terms of communication. Where there is flow, people know what is expected of them and they are able to deliver on those expectations. Where there is no flow, there is friction. We say that a river is flowing because its waters are going in the same direction. So when we speak of creating flow, we're also speaking about channeling everybody in the team to go in the same direction and follow the same vision. When members of a team are not operating in a state of flow, they will fight continually and clash because some may be going north while others are going south. And that clash of direction will cause a clash of heads. So it's important to set the direction so that all who are on the team may know what the objectives are and what direction the team is going in. Don't get me wrong, even if the people on the team are clear about their direction, conflicts may still arise, but those conflicts will be about how to get there and not about where the team is going. That kind of conflict and debate is progressive because it helps the team to gather ideas that will move it forward in the agreed direction. Well, we've come to the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to Lady with Confidence. Cheers.